So I just am going to compare the advantages and the disadvantages of different kinds of marketing. Um, selling to stores. If you could see our this here, our son sent that to us. So he's just kind of entering some stores with our produce, with our lettuce particularly. Um, this is fall, winter in the U.S., and so it's a good time to be growing lettuce. The pros of stores are number one, large orders. Um, you can often, it's a good way to sell a lot. And I think Darren kind of talked about that last night. He does a lot more with stores. We have not done that much. We have done much more what, what we call direct marketing. Stores are still direct marketing, but we direct market to our customers. And so we don't usually use a middleman like a store, but we are doing it some. Like I say, it's a good way to use a lot of pro to move a lot of produce. Um, there's not as much investment of time. It can be, you know, you just drop by the store and you drop it off and they send you a check. You leave them an invoice. It's relatively easy and simple. Um, but the cons. Okay, good. So oftentimes they're not willing to pay the price. Um, but I will say right now we're getting about eight dollars, eight U.S. dollars. So that would be what over ten dollars a pound for our lettuce in store. I mean we're selling to stores at that price, and so we're getting a good price for that. But typically you're not going to get as high a price. Um, usually you have to be certified organic. I don't know if John's talked about that. We let our certification go. We are we were certified. We've been certified off and on for many years. Um, but it's become more and more difficult, and um, they're not as in favor of some of the mineralization that John wants to do. I think it goes outside of the standards for U.S. production. Um, large change. Uh, just finish that point that you don't. You may be growing organically, but okay, yeah, that's we grow organically, but we do not. We cannot get an organic price, obviously, if we are not certified. But I will say that I feel in the stores that we're selling in now, they're giving us an organic price. They know where, or they know that we um, grow with organic methods. Our farm has been around long enough that you know we're we are somewhat known. Anyway, but the large chains. Um, like we have Whole Foods. I don't know what would be the comparable market here, but like a, a, an organic market. Um, there's a lot of paperwork and legality that you have to go to. We have to carry um, a million and a half dollars insurance on our farm in order to sell at some of the large chains. So pretty much we avoid them. We go for the small markets. Um, that picture's the wrong place, but high-end restaurants, they pay a good price. They can be very consistent. They can order large quantities. Um, and usually they're very focused on quality. They really want a good quality product. And so there's no fudging if, you're, if your produce doesn't look as good as it should. Yeah, you're not gonna get a good price and restaurants aren't gonna be as interested. 
it can build a strong symbiotic relationship. So, and especially if you can be with um, connecting with a chef. Usually, if you're just selling at a restaurant and you don't have a relationship with a chef, it's not gonna bear well. You're not gonna have this. But there are, there are cons, and you'll see kind of some repeating things. They can be finicky. I mean, we've had restaurants, and right now we have a restaurant. Um, we just started a new market this last year, and there was a chef who has known of our farm for many years, and we met him. He's, he's starting a restaurant right near this new market, and he was so excited, so excited. Our son Joshua went and sat down with him. They drew up kind of, this is what I want, and he's saying, you know, these are the kind of quantities I want, and then, you know, you don't hear from them. You text them. You know, it's, it can be very difficult. We've had some real challenges with restaurants, but we've had some good sales, too. Um, they can be high maintenance because you have to always be sending them. This is what we have. Are you interested? They, they can be unreliable. And for us, they have been. And I think it's partly because we just haven't gotten in with a good enough relationship. Um, and I will, well, I'll say more about our restaurants later. Food hubs, well, I'll say it now. So a food hub is a, a, a centralized place where you bring your food and they distribute it. And so this is how we market to a lot of restaurants. We have um, a food hub in Nashville called Nashville Grown. And we post weekly what we have and then the restaurants go on this site and they say, oh, Bountiful Blessings has this or this or this, and they order from us. Um, so that's kind of how the restaurants, a lot of restaurants purchase from us. But I have a little bit of a grievance with them. I mean, I just, before the, this uh, session, I just saw a, a Nashville grown order come through. And so I opened it up just to kind of see what's going on on the farm. Five pounds of carrots. It's like, you know, what's a restaurant going to do with five pounds of carrots? Except they're going to say that they got carrots from Bountiful Blessings Farm. So anyway, it gets our name out there. So food hubs are nice because it's one contact. You don't have to deal with a lot of people. Fairly low maintenance. You just have to go in and let them know what you have. Um, and serving many restaurants while making one delivery. <coughs> That's how it is for us. Collectively, it's a fairly large order. I would say in the wintertime, our, our weekly orders from just our food hub range between three and $600, probably for the food hub only. Carrots are our big thing. So here's some negatives of the food hub. You don't have direct contact with the consumer. So you really don't get that feedback, what they like, what they don't like. You're just kind of stabbing in the dark. So, well, orders were good on this, or they weren't good on, on that. You don't get retail prices. We get our lowest prices from our food hub. Um, online marketing. This is a picture I took at uh, Rod and Desley's. They do an online market sort of like what we would call a CSA, but their customers go on and they, like they post 
probably on Sunday, everything that they have to offer that week, and their customers have to order it before a set time. And then they package the boxes all individually. You'll notice here it has their name and then everything that they want in that box, and as they put it in, they check it off, check it off, check it off. We have done the same thing. Um, our online market ebbs and flows sometimes because it takes more work, and we'll talk about the cons, but here's some pros. It's a good way to move excess. For us, it's a good way because it's just an extra thing. Um, less pressure, if you don't have it, there's no stress. You just don't even offer it. Um, it's a nice addition. For us, it has been a nice addition to our CSA, which we'll talk about more. So, some of the cons. This is produce also from um, Rod and Desilies. Takes more maintenance because you have to go in every week and you have to list your produce and there's this kind of guesswork. How much are we going to harvest? Um, you don't want to overshoot, but you don't want to undershoot too much. And so you're trying to kind of, uh, you have to be pretty good at, at estimating how much produce you're going to have. Um, often you get many small orders. It's not consistent. You can't depend on them. Okay, so the, the bulk of the time we're going to just spend on, that was really fast. I mean, I went through those really fast. Does anybody have any questions on those? I could just field a couple of questions probably. From Those are kind of our peripheral things. The last two um, marketing schemes are where we do our bulk of um, my question, you made a comment with the online sales effect, effectively relating supply to demand and it's hard to, you've got a good estimation to match supply with demand. Mm -hmm. um, how does that work with those other channels? I mean, with like restaurants and yeah. food stores, because presumably you'd still have to try and match supply with demand there as well, right? Right. So the question is, how do you, you have to match supply and demand, not just with the online market, but with restaurants. It's true. It's true. It's, um, I think with, with the restaurants and with the online market, that is probably a con for both of them. Right. Um, you just, you know, you're just kind of, you don't want to put too, and I hear it all the time. Joshua is the one who has managed our online market for as long as we've done it, our son, and he, you know, it's always, Dad, how much, do you think we're going to have this much? Or do you, you know, or I posted this many pounds and ooh, I hope, but I think for, for once you get kind of, that's probably the most awkward when you're the smallest. You know, once you kind of get past that um, and you have more produce than you're moving, it's not as much a problem. And we usually have more produce than we're actually moving. So what's your like percentage of wastage roughly? Mm, we, I would say that on our farm we have very little waste. Right. Because we eat a lot. <laughs> we feed a lot. I mean, I've got four boys, plus John, he eats a lot at home. Plus, you know, all, all uh, summer we had, um, how many apprentices? We had six, um, five of which were men. So, you know, we pack away a lot of food. You know, what we give for one week to our customers doesn't do one meal for us. So. 
we use a lot, and then we give a lot away. And I appreciated hearing about Darren's giving away. We need to do better about that. Honestly, we get so bogged down in the season that sometimes it rots in the cooler because we don't have time to pull it out, run it to our neighbors, or take it to church, or, you know, it's a little bit, it's a little bit more difficult. Anyway, we'll, we'll have more time for questions and answers. Um, so farmer's market, pile it high and watch it fly is the, is the watchword. <laughs> and it's true. If you don't have an abundance, then you don't, you don't sell an abundance. So here's some pros with, with farmer's markets. Um, it, it's less commitment. It's a wonderful place to start. And earlier John was saying that we were just doing strawberries in the beginning, and that's true. But we also did a summer farmer's market. It was just not very successful. I mean, we were just kind of selling the excess out of our home garden. But it's a good place to start because nobody's saying, wait a minute, you said we were going to get this. Or, you, you know, you, you sell what you have, and if you don't have it, you don't sell it. So obviously less stress involved. Great way to meet the community and get to know people. And that, to us, that was a big plus. Um, we wanted to, to get to know our community. Quality is easily seen and appreciated. And at our farmer's market stand, um, it's not at all uncommon to have people come by and they want to take pictures just of the produce or they say, you all have the most beautiful produce. And we just try to be deflecting it and saying, you know, praise the Lord because he makes it beautiful. We do our part, but it's only a small part. Um, so we have, I, we have gotten many. In fact, just recent, just looking through pictures for slides and uh, for this, these presentations, I saw a picture of a market stand that I had years ago. And there were two, there were like three people standing around the table, and two of them are CSA members now. And so we have found it's a, it's a funnel to more consistent and more committed uh, participation with our farm. But um, it's farmers markets are a lot of fun. No system to maintain. I don't know. Did I write that or did you add that? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's true, there's not a system to maintain, but there's a lot of systems to maintain. In other words, you've got to have the right tablecloths, you have to have the right labeling, you have to have your markers, you have to have, um, you know, a canopy, you have to have a, a banner, you have to have something to shield from the sun, and it's just like on and on. So there's a lot of behind-the-work details that you kind of have to get in place and keep in place, but no systems to maintain, meaning that, hey, if we leave for the market and forget our tablecloths at home, it's not a big deal, you know? Um, whereas if you forget to put up your online market orders for the week, you know, that's something you have to maintain and you have to keep on top of. Um, Here's some negatives of farmer's markets. 
They're weather dependent. Mm -hmm. And that in the US for us has been a huge thing. Um, this summer we had so many rainy markets and we saw a very big decrease in our sales because of it. Um, they, they take us from the grass and put us in the parking area and our sales just plummet. Even if we're at the market and even if it's not raining, if they've had rain, people don't come, they don't feel like coming. You know, there's just not a lot of commitment to farmers markets. We have great markets that, you know, I'll say we, this last summer we had a market that reached almost $3,000. That's a great market. I mean, that's an amazing market. But at the same market, we had markets where we didn't, we barely hit the $500 mark. So, you know, that's a pretty big disparity from, you know, different parts of the season. In the early part of the season, everybody's so excited to have fresh produce and they're all there and school's out and it all goes well. But once school starts back in, we just see a plummeting of our sales and the market traffic really de decreases. Oh, well, I've probably already said it. Okay, very large fluctuations during the season. <coughs> There's more waste with farmer's markets because you never know what's gonna sell. You know, so we might take 45 bunches of different kinds of kale, and one market, they're gone, and you're out before the market's over, and the next market, you might come home with half of it. Um, so that's where there can be a lot of waste, if we don't have a good way to move it. In the past, um, we had a, a charity that would come around at the end of our market, and pick up excess. I loved that. They would bring their basket and I would just pile it in. And then they would take it to a shelter um, or some other something. So more waste. Market is in some places becoming saturated. And I would say that we are experiencing some of that ourselves. Um, not only is the market in our area becoming saturated, but our market that we have depended on is kind of becoming saturated. One thing about farmers markets is that if you don't have a really good market manager, then things aren't, well, it just doesn't go as well, okay? A good market manager is somebody who's right out there, they've got you on social media, they're keeping everything about the market in the eye of the public, um, they're planning neat things, um, you know, I was just talking to Desley. I'll give you this as an example. So our markets are very strict and there's no selling before a certain time. So 3.30, when the bell rings, you can sell. But if you sell beforehand, the market manager will come down on you because they don't want to create that. So, I mean, it's not uncommon for us to have a long line at our stand before the bell rings and people pick stuff up off the table and they're standing in line waiting to purchase. Um, their market, uh, Desilee and Rods, does not do that. Their market manager has no standard and so what used to be a three to six or seven o'clock market has crept back and back and back and back and now they have people wanting to purchase stuff like at noon. And that's a big problem because that market manager now is not really thinking and, and working on the behalf of the, of the market. 
of the farmers. So our saturated market is just being seen. There's so many farmers. Everybody wants to have a farmer's market in their neighborhood and everywhere. Um, but there's not really enough farmers to go around. What happened to that one? Okay, farmer's market tips. Abundance is a key. Keeping your table stocked, and what we do is we start with five tables. Three on the back, two on the front, and then we have a small table for our cash register. Um, as the market wears on and our produce sells, we take a table down and we pull it together. Take a table down, and at the end of the market, we only have may only have three tables, but they're still looking like they have some abundance to them. And so we just it's a it is a real skill to keep on top of keeping your tables full, talking to your customers, trying to engage people. Have you ever tried rutabaga, or have you you know Would you like some ideas about how to use whatever, especially the unusual things? So keep your table stocked. Don't cut the price when you have excess. Um, that's a big thing. Uh, give, get them to buy two. So if, if we have an abundance of lettuce, we don't, we don't reduce our price. We just say, we reduce the price for buying two. So the price is reduced, but you're also selling more. And it's amazing how many people will say, you know, they'll come up with one bag of lettuce. And I just say, so did you notice that we're doing lettuce today two for five instead of $3 a bag? Would you be interested in getting another bag? Oh, yeah, I didn't see that. People do not read signs. You can put out the signs. It can be big and bold, and they will, most people will not even notice it. And so if you don't have somebody like at the register who's giving, you know, trying to engage, trying to get them to sell. Can we get you anything more today? Did you find everything you were looking for? Um, that sort of thing. Um, use the Square app. How many of you are familiar with that? Anybody? I believe we it's come. We talked about that a little bit. Uh, okay. I, I believe it's come to Australia thanks to Rob Bailey. <laughs> he he said he called them all the time and said, "When is it going to come? When we need it here." And, so, because he heard about the Square app when he came to the agriculture conference in January. So, it's wonderful. It has been such a huge blessing. I don't need to say more if John has spoken to it already, but it has been a great blessing for record keeping. I mean, I'm ashamed to say, but it's a truth that, that John and I are not very good about keeping track and keeping record. It's hard to do it all. It's hard to grow it and market it and keep track of your finances and keep track of what you're selling and what you're not selling. And so the, the Square app has been a big blessing. Community supported agriculture. Rod tells me this is something that is not here in Australia. And I, I wanna believe that Adventist families will bring it to Australia. Adventist young people, because I feel that it's the very best um, way to market your produce if you are um, if you're looking to build relationships. So the CSA stands for Community Supported Agriculture, and basically what it is is that a family joins our CSA for a full season, and 
We commit to provide them produce. They commit to stick with us for the season. Um, they do not have a choice of what they get in their box. They, they get their produce and what we have, we give. And we try to alternate it and um, offer different um, things through the season. Like one, one week they might have carrots in their box and the next week they might have turnips in their box. So we always try to have you know, certain things. The winter and the summer are very different. But like in the summer, we want every box, once tomatoes are in season, we want every single box to have tomatoes and not just one or two, but enough that they can really, they can really enjoy them. That actually is in Australia, because we used to live in Queensland and we used to go to a farm that was in our home and we would commit to buying a box, but you didn't get to choose what was in the box, just whatever came. Yes. And it was so much per box per week. Yeah. Yes. So okay, well good. So it's, it's a few places. And I would deliver into the city and yeah, that has yeah. yeah. Rod's Rod's comment was think twenty years back in the U.S. and that's where we, we where we are and I think that's probably a fairly truthful statement. Twenty years ago, where we lived, we knew of two CSAs. Today, there are dozens of CSAs in the Nashville area. So it's something that if it started here, great. I would expect that you'll see it growing. Because you know, but I will say this: it's. Yeah, well, we'll get to the pros and cons of it. So, here's what I love about it. This is Emma Grace. I've known her since she was about two. And her family has been a part of our CSA for many years. And before they were part of our CSA, they were buying from us at a farmer's market stand. Um, it's all about relationships. And you're always trying to think, what can I do to draw people in. So this was last spring and I had the idea that when we, we picked, this was our very first pint of cherry tomatoes. So put it in a box, had no idea which box. I knew I had it at my delivery though. I was really hoping that she would get it because I know how much she likes cherry tomatoes. So I had sent out in my email that our first fruits were coming in the CSA box and one lucky CSA customer was going to get cherry tomatoes. And Emma Grace's mom told me she didn't say anything because she said, oh, the chances of us getting it is, are next to nothing. So she, and, and when they came, I thought I knew where the, where the box was that had the cherry tomatoes. And I was kind of, oh, no, they're not going to get it. Because they chose another box. And I thought, well, Lord, I'm going to let it, the chips fall where they may. I'm not going to tamper with this. And they opened the box and Emma Grace looked at, oh, mommy, cherry tomatoes. And I just thought, oh, what a blessing. She was so happy and that was her first cherry tomato of the season. So for me, the pro is the relationship you build with people. Um, I mean, I miss them. She's just started into real school, well, not school, but activities. So she wasn't at my last delivery and I was very sad. So the CSA, the blessings of it are it's consistent. You have this hardcore of customers. I mean, we have some CSA members that have been with us for 15, 18 years, since the beginning, since the beginning. I guess it's not, when did we do our first CSA? So it's for, yeah, so it's not CSA members. We haven't had that many years of CSA, but some of those CSA members 
were with us before we had CSA. They were just buying strawberries from us. So we have a very consistent core. I would say we have 50 families that are with us year-round that are very consistent. Then we have another 25 to 30 who are changing. Um, they prepay. You can take it to the bank, so to speak. Um, you, you can budget on it. It's, it, that's a real blessing. It's a real pro, plus to it. It's dependable. You can budget. It's relational. For me, that relational aspect, because the Lord has really called us to serve, and because agriculture for us wasn't so much a business as a ministry, um, those are really important. It's evangelistic. And how many of you were, were here earlier when I talked about sending the great controversy to somebody? Just a couple. I'll just repeat that one since it was, that was this summer. We have a customer who had been with us probably for off and on for at least 10 years. And her husband works for Aldi's. I know you know about Aldi's. I think you have it in this country. <laughs> He's a developer. And they had been in our area for a number of years. And they were moving. And I happened to go to the very last delivery. And we had a most amazing conversation. You know, we really pray. I really pray that the Lord will give me the time with people that I need. And she and I had this big window of opportunity where we just talked and shared. And I said, I hope when you move, you'll find a good church family. And she said, well, we don't, we don't really go to church. And I, I, I think I must have asked her, do you, do you, are you a part of this specific church, which we have a lot of customers from that church? And she said, no, we don't really we don't really go to church. And um, her husband was a Catholic, but he'd become very disillusioned. And she was another religion, and she had become disillusioned. And, you know, just talking, she said, we just, we realize that we can, we um, enjoy our time in nature on Sunday, and we find we really connect with God there. And so anyway, it just opened up a lovely conversation. And when we left, I just took a note that I'm going to send her the great controversy. And I did. A few weeks later, when I knew they had been moved and they were settled in their new house, I sent her the great controversy with a note. And I also sent her our book, our Ebenezer, which they have no, our customers really have no idea what we've been through on the farm or what the farm even is to us or maybe even what our life was before we started farming. So, you know, you just pray. You have so many opportunities. So many opportunities. Um, I was just thinking of another one. What passed through my mind relating to CSA? Anyway, it's what the Lord has called us to. It's where we can plant seeds. I have one customer that I am very close with. I've never been as close, actually, to a non-Adventist person. She's been with us. She came to pick strawberries the first time in 2000, our first season, uh, the one that God gave us a crop from when we thought the whole thing had been destroyed. And uh, so we've been friends a long time and many spiritual conversations, many discussions about the Lord. Um, it's our ministry. We had a CSA customer this year who lost his job. <coughs> 
a family of five kids. And they were getting um, a large box from us every week. And she emailed me, and, or she called me. She called me and she said, Pam, um, my husband lost his work. And I'm just wondering, I know it's not protocol for you, but I'm just wondering if under the circumstances we could drop out for the season. And hopefully, when he gets work again, we can pick up in the next season. And, you know, we, we're here to serve. What are you going to do? Say, no, I'm, no, we're not going to, yeah, you can drop out. You know, I said, you know what, we would count it a privilege to feed you and to keep bringing you a box. And we'll be praying that your husband will find work. And, you know, to us, it's not a really big thing. It was several hundred dollars lost because they were already behind on their, but you know, we trust that the Lord takes that and he somehow, someplace, he multiplies it for us. Um, one other customer this year reminded me that about 10 years ago, we did the same for him and what that had meant to him. I had totally forgotten. You know, we have many opportunities to serve, and that service just kind of um, ties the heartstrings of people and us to them. And that customer has a job, a good paying job, and is back paying for his CSA. This was Christ's method. His work was largely made up of personal interviews. He had a faithful regard for the one soul audience. Through that one soul, the message was often extended to thousands. You know, we don't know what the Lord is doing with the influence I, I overheard a couple of um, customers talking to a potential customer, and it must have been at a farmer's market, and they were saying, they give us so much more than produce. Praise God. Praise God. You know? I had one, one lady I met this, this year, she's been with us a long time, but I was meeting her mother, and when I came to the truck to, to uh, bring her produce and, and greet her, she introduced me to her mother and she said, Mom, this is the only prayed for produce in Nashville. This produce is prayed over. And you just say, praise God, <clears throat> praise God. We don't know where that ripple effect goes. Um, and that's really not ours to worry about. But that's a little bit on marketing. Oh, the cons of CSA. There are some. It's not as lucrative. Um, it necessitates growing more varieties. That's what John was saying at the end of his last one. Uh, you know, there are things that we wouldn't grow except for CSA. That's somebody's, that's a, that's a basket that somebody got this summer. I thought it was so pretty the way they put it in their basket. In a sense, you are indebted because we owe them the produce. Um, it's not entry-level marketing. We would never encourage you to start with a CSA because that's kind of how CSAs get a bad rap and a bad reputation because it takes time to figure out how to grow and to get things to be consistent, um, the flow of produce. 
Here's some CSA tips. This is where we package. We set up several long tables. We've changed it this year. You can see these green bins are what we put all of our produce in. And then we run by with our boxes and we fill them one at a time. Uh, that's new for us, but we feel like it's more efficient. We are always trying to be more efficient. Uh, Small Farm Central or a similar organizational software is critical. I did it for years with none of it, and it, it was hard. Um, but Small Farm Central is great when you're just starting. It's free if you only have 25 CSA members. That's on your resource sheet. Oops. The website for that. And I would say CSAs, we kind of keep our CSA relatively small. We have 80 <coughs> members. This winter we only have 60 or so. But it's not as lucrative. And so you do need to have side things that are going to bring in a little bit more income. Um, another tip is to pack in containers that will keep your produce fresh. Obviously, that depends on where you are, but we have a lot of high heat and high humidity. So if we didn't pack our boxes, we use boxes, they close, and we try to make sure everything is refrigerated beforehand. When they open up their box, even if it's been there for hours, they look good. Um, but if you were to take it like in that basket that I showed you, by the time somebody picks it up, the lettuce would just be really limp. Um, Make customer relationships a high priority. One more, value-added products. This is Desley's kale chips. It's a great way to use excess and it can spread around your income. Um, that, we do things like strawberry jam. This last year, I think I did 50 dozen jars of strawberry jam. I wished we could have brought some to share with you all. So, this is our farmer's son, Joshua. So many ways to market. Choose the one that, that's best for you. I think I, I was four minutes to spare, huh? That was a, a racing presentation. Questions? Do you deliver in the CSA market or do they come to you? We have locations, central locations, where we deliver. So there are people who do it to, you know, to direct to your home. We've thought about that, but it would be pretty cost prohibitive. I mean, uh, at this point, central locations are working for us. Now, we have something that's come to our, I mean, come to the U.S., probably not just our area, called Blue Apron. That, I feel, is giving us a little bit of a threat. It's a large organization and they're getting in a lot of organic produce not locally grown and you go on and you order it and they deliver it to your door and they have recipes you can get a recipe and it'll come with a recipe and all the fresh produce and everything you need to make that recipe it's really appealing to the working moms who want to feed their families well but who are in a hurry we actually have something Mm -hmm. It's called HelloFresh. HelloFresh. Yeah, HelloFresh. Yeah. It's, you know, again, I would say this. What keeps people with us is the relationship that we have for, with them. I mean, if I were a consumer, 
and was used to just purchasing from a grocery store, I mean, it's to me almost like it doesn't make any sense that you wouldn't choose to support a family. Someone that you know, you know the, fr the produce is better, it's fresher, more nutritious. Yes, it's a little inconvenient. You have to remember to pick up your box every week and you know go to that central, but everybody has phones today that can remind them not to forget their delivery. All right, well, we're gonna wrap it up with that. I think following this, there's a, there's a marketing panel. So if you have other questions. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.